Great stories, epic songs, Podplays. If you enjoy the new and original music you discover in Podplays, be sure to stream or download these songs anywhere you currently get your music. Simply search the artist name Podplays, and please remember to like, follow, and share with all your friends. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick second and tell you that if you want to be a fly on the wall in conversations you probably wouldn't be able to listen to otherwise, you really need to subscribe to the Marty Ray Project Chats podcast. Marty Ray and Chris Wallen chat with some of the most interesting people in entertainment, from Burt Kreischer and Vanilla to Faison Love, DDP, Dina Carter, Herb Dean. They chat with some really interesting people. This show is like potato chips. I guarantee you, you can't just listen to one. Subscribe, download, rate, and review the Marty Ray Project Chats wherever podcasts are heard. Welcome to the podplay entitled Run Sally, Run and Hide, adapted from the screenplay written by Lee Martin. On a back street in a bad neighborhood, Sally Mayfield drives her old car into a small parking lot. It's a used car dealership. Old beat-up cars cover the lot. Many of them are covered in dust. Sally struggles out of her car wearing a crutch for her right leg. She's beautiful with a head of wavy hair. Ernie Cross, a used car salesman in his 40s, walks out wearing a flashy coat and tie. Ernie comes out and greets her with a kiss on the cheek. You look happy. Sold two clunkers this morning. I'm so glad you called. So what did you want to tell me? Let's go inside. They move inside arm in arm. Once in, They sit in a small nearby coffee shop with just a few customers. A waitress takes their orders and bustles away. Sally shifts her weight in pain. I bet I know. You're going to be rich. Isn't that the big news? Sally looks away, down into her coffee. I'm sorry. I I just want the best for you. I know you're struggling out here in this world with your son. And when you said you had a great uncle out of the blue, it it seemed like you would finally have some good fortune. I did hear from the lawyer. He didn't want to tell me over the phone. All I know is I do have a great uncle I never knew about, just related by marriage, way up in the mountains. So what does that mean? I don't know. It's confusing. What's the lawyer's name? Please don't go there. I told you. I have worries. What? About some guy stuck in a Mexican prison for life? You don't understand. I still have nightmares. Sally, it's been over a year, and I promise you, no one gets out of Mexican prison. Anyways, what I came to tell you is, the new owners of my apartment are refurnishing it and raising the rent, so I'm moving. I didn't want you to worry, is all. Where to? I'll let you know. Ernie squeezes her hand and gives a lingering smile. Start where the nightmare memories appear in the dark. Headed out west where the stars in the sky lit the way to you. Lit the way to you. Is it a dream to find someone? Or to believe? 
Three days later, on the outskirts of Los Angeles, Sally sits in a cheap motel room with a kitchenette and two beds. The drapes are tightly closed. The only light is a nightlight casting a soft glow from the bathroom. Sally is deep in slumber and has a terrifying flashback. In her dream, Claude Leach, a big, husky man with a mustache and a heavy jacket, creeps along the freeway in traffic. Claude screams at the traffic. Sally is in the passenger seat, terrified. Claude holds a pistol towards her. She releases her seatbelt, opens the car door, and jumps out the door into moving traffic. As she falls, Sally is hit hard by a car. She crashes into the exit lane against a guardrail unconscious. Leech barrels away. Later the same day, Sally hears a knock at the door. Attorney Rice Richards walks in. A graying, distinguished man in a dark suit. He carries his briefcase. She closes the door behind him and locks it. Sally? I had a terrible nightmare. I remember the day Leech tried to kidnap me. You must realize, nightmares are just bad memories and fear of them being repeated. He's in a maximum security prison way south, deep in Mexico. Nobody breaks out of there. I showed you photos of the place. They have machine guns on the walls. It felt so real. I felt like he was out. I can't stay here anymore. You won't have to. Rice takes her current phone, takes out the battery, and puts it in his suitcase. He gives her a new old-style cell phone with a charger. This one is encrypted. You'll be invisible. And I have some good news. Aldo Brocklin really is your great-uncle. He's not Bodkin, but he's a distant relative to your great-grandfather. And he wants you and your son to come on live in his ranch. He doesn't even know me. Turns out he's followed your life for years. His lawyer said Aldo collected newspaper clippings about your family. How your folks died in an accident. How your husband died in the war as a hero. About Leech in the accident. 
When he set up his living trust, he left the ranch to you. Sally is overwhelmed by the good fortune and takes a tissue from her purse to try and stop the tears. I'm so grateful, but why didn't I ever know about him? I knew your father for years, and he never mentioned Aldo, not once. Aldo was the black sheep in the family, a teenager turned outlaw with the Hughes brothers in the late 1930s. They were wanted for rustling, robbing banks, and whatever was handy. They weren't violent. They never shot anyone. When Pearl Harbor was bombed, Aldo and the Hughes brothers joined the Marines. Aldo was underage, but lied to get in. They survived, but Aldo lost two brothers. They came back as highly decorated war heroes. Aldo inherited his father Harry Rocklin's old ranch, which some claimed was a bandit hideout in the old days. Yeah, Harry Rockland did some time for bank robbery in his 20s. These are copies of the trust. You need to sign acknowledgement. How old is Aldo? In his 90s. When he's gone, the ranch will go to you, along with his girlfriend Angie. But I could put them in danger. Sally, you know that's not true. And even if it was, these old folks would relish it. Ranch is deep in the high Sierras. It's very primitive. No landline, no electricity, just a generator. The cell reception is not the best. It seems Aldo is loaded. I'm told he's clean or the IRS would have been after him. Let's pray. Tears roll down Sally's cheeks. She dabs at her eyes. She signs the papers and returns the pen. It's a long drive, so you might want to wait until morning. Who else knows we'll be there? The local sheriff. He'll be keeping an eye on you. He'll say he's looking for treasure hunters. When the family was away in Vegas one weekend, they had some folks dig up their property based on an old legend. It only happened that once. What about the neighbors? None of them are around. The nearest store is 80 miles away, a pit stop called Bob Station. I've been praying so much, but I never thought... It's time you had a decent break. West land and mountains I had never seen Running from the past before it all caught up to me Something new Had my doubts until I found The freedom I never knew
Late the next day, Sally has been driving her beat-up old sedan since daybreak. They're deep in the Sierra Nevada foothills. Following a small secondary road, she's surrounded by wooded, grassy high hills. Tommy sits at her side. She drives up to Bob's station where the owner, a kind old man, points her on to Gates Road. She continues on. She drives for another hour until they see an old mailbox that reads J. Rockland. A heavy gate is marked on both sides by signs that read, No Trespass. Sally opens the gate and drives through. Behind, she sees a small ranch with a main two-story house, a bunkhouse, an old barn, sheds, and corrals with horses. Two pickup trucks sit out front. There are large hills on both sides of the house. It's been pouring all day. And while it's stopped now, the ground is wet. Sally gets out of the car, walks up to the picket fence, and sees a man approach on horseback. As he gets closer, Sally sees he's devilishly handsome and rugged, with a wide-brimmed hat and a rifle at his hip. He looks like something out of an old western. He rides over and tips his hat to her. Jed Lassiter, and you're Sally Mayfield. You sure improved the scenery. Why are you here? Actually... Aldo and I are old friends. Uh, We team roped for a lot of years. I got this call from him late last night to get myself over here. I'll be staying with Aldo in the bunkhouse. But I have my own ranch in the valley. Aldo's in the bunkhouse sound asleep. Otherwise, he'd be out here on the porch. Miss Angie, she's in the back of the house, you know, chopping wood in the shed. Chopping wood? Yeah, she's a tough old bird. All of them are, and armed to the teeth. So you planning on staying? Yes, but please, nobody can know I'm here. Well, and here comes Miss Angie. Angie Hughes approaches. She's in her 90s, but looks a full 20 years younger. She has stringy gray hair, but moves with purpose and looks hard as nails. Hey, Miss Angie, this is Sally Mayfield and her son. Yes, I know. Get your gear. We're having fresh venison steak tonight and wash your hands, Tommy. You too, Jed. Yes, ma'am. But first you can go back there and start the generator and bring some wood. I cut another load while you was out gallivanting around. Yes, ma'am. Is it deer season? Nope. So there's no law west of the road gate? No, ma'am. Sally holds her cell phone to the sky, trying to get a signal. She's got nothing. Jed points to the house attic. I mean, you might get some signal up in the attic, but the old TV antenna used to give a pretty good signal when it worked till a thunderstorm wrecked it. There's also a signal up on that hill over there by that great oak tree, but it's a, it's a tough walk. Riding would be easier. Why don't you just fix the antenna? Well, I mean, it's too high for a ladder, and Aldo tried to fix it through the window, but the roof is pretty steep and he fell off. He grabbed a drain pipe before he hit the dirt, but he still got banged up real well. And where were you all this time? At my ranch. You'll learn these people never want any help, trust me. Can you ride? No, but it can't be that hard. You're just as feisty as Miss Angie. It's getting dark later that day. Sally walks up to the front porch of the main house with a scarf over her head. It's raining lightly, Aldo Rockland walks in. He's in his 90s, lean and hearty, with a gray beard. 
He wears ranch clothes and is carrying his rifle. He looks and walks like an old-time cowboy. Sally lugs a heavy bag of her belongings in from her car and closes the trunk. Miss Sally, this here is Aldo Rocklin. Sally is shocked by how young Aldo looks. Doesn't anyone get old around here? Aldo grins as Jed takes her bag. Just then, Sheriff Riley pulls up, lean and in his early 50s. He looks like a man confident in his work. Sally looks afraid until he smiles warmly at her. Miss Mayfield, I'm Sheriff Riley. Just stop by to introduce myself. I think you'll be happy here. Well, thank you. Sally smiles and limps towards the house. Once she is inside, the sheriff speaks up. That's a tough young lady. You know the story? I mean, not much of it. Well, about five years back, her husband died in Afghanistan, left her and her boy all alone. She needed a little money, got to singing in this dance band. That's when Leach started stalking her, off and on. He never got caught, though. Just over a year ago, he killed their dog and knocked her boy unconscious. Nearly broke her hand, tearing off her rings. Forced her into his car at gunpoint. But when they were on the freeway and the traffic got slow, she jumped out and got hit by another car. That took a lot of guts. Anyway, he sneaked down to Mexico, but a week later in Guadalajara, he was hauling drugs and ran over some kids. They locked him up for life. In the States, he was suspected of every crime you can think of, but they never had enough to book him. So when he ended up in Mexico, we just left him down there. But why her? Did you see her? She's gorgeous. Every man's dream. (laughs) Don't tell my wife I said that, though. Inside the house, the small building opens up into big rooms with high ceilings. A creaky, steep staircase opens up into the second floor and attic. A generator hums in the distance, keeping electric lights on everywhere. It is raining, and wind rattles the shutters. Inside, a blazing fire in the hearth warms the room. Aldo and Jed carry in firewood, stopping at the door to scrape off their boots while Angie works in the kitchen. Aldo Rockland sits near the fire. He's in his 90s, clean-shaven, with a full head of gray hair and a few wrinkles. I'm so grateful for your kindness. Well, you're even more beautiful in person. Sally's son rushes over, asking Aldo if he has any war medals. Jed cuts them off. Aldo over there has medals and rosa ribbons, including a purple heart. Jed has plenty of his own, too. Supper's ready, Aldo. You and Jed go wash your hands. Sally, now you know who the real boss around here is. Angie walks Aldo into the dining area, stroking his hair. Angie serves them a grand meal of fresh venison steak, homemade bread, and a heaping helping of vegetables. On the wall, a painting hangs of a younger Aldo on a horse. Miss Angie, you could hang your paintings in a museum. They're so good. Aldo looks so handsome. Well, it's certainly gone to his head. But let me say this, we're all so glad to have you home with us. Yep, it was getting darn right boring around here. We are so grateful. Now let's get down to business. I play harmonica, Jed here plays the guitar and sings, you sing, music is good for the soul. Now, Miss Sally, I ain't sure you know these old folks' songs. 
but we'll start with Red River Valley. Come and sit by my side if you love me. Do not hasten to bid me adieu. That's really good. Sally begins to tear up. It was her husband's favorite song. Jed notices. Okay, okay. Let's try something more cheerful. Jed swings into lively tunes, Buffalo Gals, Sweet Betsy from Pike, and other folk tunes. Sally sings along, but softly. Okay, one more. Um, how about, he found his love in Nashville. Mm, he found his love in Nashville, Tennessee. You got it. song about a guy and a girl He found his love in Nashville, Tennessee He knew it so he got down on one knee She shook her head and said Boy, you're crazy if you think That you found your love in Nashville, Tennessee Didn't give up and brought her wildflowers Asked her out for supper that night She slammed the door and yelled Don't come round here no more Better listen up, cause darling you've been warned Come on, play We'll return to the pod play, Run, Sally, Run and Hide, in 60 seconds. We now return to the pod play entitled, Run, Sally, Run and Hide. A storm rages outside. Aldo and Jed build up the fire in the hearth, then head outside to do chores. Sally worries and paces, favoring her right leg. She checks her phone constantly. I really need to check for messages. We thought about a landline, but the local company wanted a fortune to connect us because it's so far to their lines. Sometimes you can get a signal in the attic at the window, except I don't think you can climb those stairs. I can try. You should let Jed carry you. Sally makes a face and shakes her head. Jed grins at her and grabs her hand as she limps over to the stairs. Don't touch me. Would you rather ride piggyback? Sally glares at him and stares up the steep, winding staircase. Let Jed carry your messages if you're too scared. Jed extends his hand again. 
If you try to carry me, you'll lose your balance, and then we'll both fall. Oh, I'm not worried. Sally finally gives in, letting him lift her in his arms with her right side against his body. She makes a fuss to look like she's resisting, but it's obvious she's enjoying herself. She puts her left hand up on his chest. As they reach the second floor, she starts to relax. You need to drop a few pounds. Never mind. Just don't drop me. They continue up the shaky steps until they reach the attic. It's dark, full of spider webs and unmarked cardboard boxes. Light comes in from the window and an unlit oil lamp hangs in the corner. Jed lights the lamp and they look outside at the TV and cell antennas dangling a few feet out the window. Sally waves her phone around, then smiles as she gets a signal. No messages, and now the signal's gone again. You think it's bank loot in those boxes? Jed flashes her a grin, then scoops her back up in his arms. You're enjoying this too much. And you're not enjoying it enough. Just hang tight. Sally tries to hide her enjoyment. Be careful. Just don't wiggle. Jed stops a few steps above the living room floor. Why did you stop? Listen, when a gentleman carries a lady up and down a steep flight of stairs, he needs to be rewarded. Maybe with a thank you kiss. Uh, absolutely not. Trust me, Sally, he'll stand there all day till you give in. <laughs> you can punish him later. Sally scowls up at Jed. Jed bends his head as he lifts her higher. He plants a kiss on her lips. Sally clings to him. She doesn't pull away. He kisses her more, longer. Sally closes her eyes, seems to enjoy the moment. Jed draws back. All right, that's enough for now. If I keep at it, Miss Angie will get her shotgun and call the preacher. Jed's right, and I have a big, shiny 10-gauge, double-barreled. Sally fights a smile as Jed carries her down into the front room. Jed doesn't set her down. Put me down. I like it this way. I'll slap your face. Jed bends down and kisses her again. Sally doesn't resist. He sets her down carefully. Sally fakes fury, limping in a circle to warm her hands at the hearth. The next morning, Sally and Jed are on horses at the foot of the steep ridge near the house. Sunshine cuts through the clouds. Everybody is wearing heavy coats. Sally is in jeans and boots she borrowed from Angie. You sure you want to try this? I can't depend on the attic. Sally and Jed start their horses up a steep grade. Twenty feet up, the hill, slippery and muddy, footing begins to give way. The earth begins to move beneath the horse's hooves. They start to slide, and Sally hangs on for dear life. Okay, okay, turn slowly. We're going to go back down, just zigzag. Uh, okay. They slowly weave back down the hill, side to side. As they reach safe ground, an icy wind cuts through their coats. Sally looks back at the top of the hill and shakes her head. Aldo walks up to them. That was a close one. Yeah, well, if the weather gets any worse, that whole side of the ridge is going to come down on us. Maybe not the house, but I think it could push the bunkhouse right off its perch. It'd be a wild ride. They turn and see the sheriff's car coming up the road. 
It's the sheriff. He could just be looking for a pie and coffee. Sally, you go inside with Miss Angie. The sheriff gets out, walks over to Aldo and Jed. He looks grim. It's bad, boys. Inside, Sally sits on the couch as Sheriff Riley, Aldo, and Jed come inside. The cold wind howls until they close the door. The sheriff pulls up a chair next to Aldo. Well, you look like you got something stuck in your crawl. The sheriff speaks in a low voice. I've got some bad news. Well, spit it out. About a week ago, some guys busted Leach out of prison. He's disappeared, but they're watching the border. He probably won't show up there for at least a couple days. Sally closes her eyes and tries not to scream. Jed holds her tightly. Now, Sally, any chance anyone knows where you are? Just my lawyer. Could be he'll stay down in Mexico where he's got connections. And you're in good company. Aldo and Jed here have an arsenal in the bunkhouse. They're a pretty good shot, but not one of them beats Miss Angie. Hey. Listen, the sheriff's right. Miss Angie could pick a hawk out of the sky. She's got good aim. She's scary good. She's just got better eyesight. So don't worry, Sally. They got an APB out on them. They'll be watching the border. I'll be in close touch with your lawyer and the authorities down south. Jed, I think Sally would feel better if you slept on the couch. It opens into a bed. How's that sound, Jed? Yeah, no problem. And when the storm eases up, I'll just get up on that roof and I'll pull up that cell antenna. But it's so dangerous. Listen, a man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. Later that night, Sally comes out of the bedroom. The fire in the hearth softly lights the room. She's in her robe and nightgown. Jed sleeps on the sofa bed, fully clothed and with a blanket half over him. His rifle rests on a chair a few feet away. Sally climbs onto the bed and lies with her back to him. She pulls up the blanket. Jed puts his arm around her and holds her close. They both fall asleep. The next morning, Sally sits in the kitchen with Angie over coffee. We love it here, and you and Aldo seem so happy. So why aren't we married? Oh, it was love at first sight, but we just never got around to it. I was afraid he'd get caught and thrown in jail. Then the war came along and he wasn't here. I had to work, and when he came back, he had to deal with the law. Now, we just don't think it's necessary. Besides, he's too darn bossy. What about you? Ever want to marry up again? I was about to marry Lou, our band violinist, when Leach started after me. I had to quit. The band broke up and Lou just disappeared. You don't know how dangerous Leach can be. Aldo told me what the sheriff said, your whole story. I don't think Jed would bail on you. I, I just can't put him through this. He's not afraid of anything. Why, he had a chest of medals when he got out of the army. He was cited for bravery above and beyond so many times they just ran out of honors to give him. Why, you can't go wrong with him. It's just a flirtation. That's what I thought when I met Oaldo, and look at us now. Why, I've never wanted anyone else. Mm, that's wonderful. This pot makes such good coffee. Well, the secret is to never wash it. 
What about Jed? Was he ever married? He came close a couple times. While he was in the army and seeing a lot of action, he got a dear John. He bought the ranch when he was courting the second one, but she took off with some city slicker. Oh, he's like a son to us. We care about him. So do I. But please, don't tell him. Jed has a family up in Montana, but he likes being around us. He dropped everything to come here when Aldo called on him. I'm grateful. Sally pauses and sips her coffee, hesitant to ask her next question. There are so many boxes in the attic. And in the basement. You have a basement? Yes, yeah, full of spiders, too. It's just a lot of old clothes and dishes and some books. After the holidays, uh, maybe we can explore. Two days later, the sun is shining. Jed is up on the roof, a rope tied around him leading inside the attic. Aldo waits inside, holding the rope. Jed is hanging on to the cell antenna, with the TV antenna dangling just out of his reach. Sally waits at the foot of the stairs. Sally, you need to sit down. I'm so worried. Well, the TV antenna bit the dust. But I think Jed saved the day with that microwave thing. Sally, try your phone. Sally pulls out her phone and immediately gets a signal. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I guess I don't get to carry you down and earn myself that kiss. Sally turns, limps up to him, throws her arms around him. She looks up. He looks down. You've earned a great big one. Jed grins, bends down, and kisses her soundly. Then Sally frees herself and checks her phone. <sighs> no messages. Days later, Leech sits in a musty, narrow tunnel near the Mexican border, deep at night. He sits next to a chunky man in rough clothes. They are alone in the tunnel. A half-finished bottle of tequila sits between them. Leech explains the time he first met Sally. It was an outdoor benefit concert. It was bright, shiny day. I was in the back row. And a big band had just finished up, and this beautiful woman comes on stage in a shiny blue gown. She had the voice like an angel. It sat me right up. And from that day on, I knew I was going to have her. No matter what. Leech grimaces, then takes a swig of tequila. Leech, dressed nicely, pulls up to a quiet apartment complex around noon a few days later. He's wearing dark sunglasses and a cap. He sees a young gardener coming along the front of the building. Leech calls out to him. Hey, you want to make some extra cash? The gardener pauses as Leech walks over to him. Leech smiles and waves a $100 bill. Just a little information. Did you know a Sally Mayfield? She used to live around here. The gardener doesn't know anything. Leech shows a photo. You'd remember her. Here, look at this. Now, do you know where she lives? The gardener remembers her, but doesn't know where she is. I'm her brother. I just got out of the army. 
The gardener tells him her boyfriend used to work at the used car dealership around the corner and says he might have more luck there. Thanks for the help. Leech hands him $200 bills and hurries away. The gardener stuffs the money in his pocket and goes back to gardening. The next day, Leech pulls up to Ernie's used car lot. He walks in the front door. Ernie is on the desk phone. I got customers. I gotta go. Ernie hangs up the phone. He's been sweating. He swallows and dives into his pitch. Say, that's one fine vehicle. Looking to sell? Just looking. Maybe a trade. But I'd like to know the blue book on the one I have. It's a 2010 eight-cylinder. They walk into the office and Ernie starts to boot up his computer. As he does, he freezes. He feels Leech push a revolver against his temple. Sally Mayfield, where is she? I, I don't know, geez. Well, where does she live? She left town way over a week ago. She wouldn't tell me where she was going. She hasn't even called me. You better make me happy, boy, or you're dead. She's got some great uncle she never knew about. Never said his name. Lives in the mountains. Near some place called Bob's Station. Uh, please, I don't, I don't know anymore. She got any friends? Or a job? I, I don't know. She never said. I, I don't think so. She was always afraid. She was on disability. Had a bunch of surgeries. Where? Who's their doctor? What hospital? She wouldn't tell me. What about church? She never said. Where's the kid go to school? He doesn't. He, she homeschools. Where does she buy our groceries? I, I don't know. Some boyfriend you are. Where does she buy her gas? The station down the road uh, with the flags. Four or five miles past the freeway. Can you find her on that computer thing? I tried lots of times. Just shows when she was a singer a long time ago. You're hurting my head. What about this granduncle? No, and I tried her father's name. Just says he was survived by a daughter and a grandson. What about the band? They broke up after she quit. Jeez, I, I don't know anything. You're lying. No, no, she was afraid to tell me anything because of some creep. Leech scowls. Get up. We're locking you in. Leech and his goon walk Ernie into the small restroom. They shut the door. They walk out. Scowls on their faces. It's Christmas Eve. The ranch is festive and full of glittering lights. A warm fire crackles in the hearth. Sally's son Tommy receives an erector set and a chemistry set, books, and a new jacket. Angie and Sally get scarves, perfumes, and bracelets. The men get work clothes, bullets, and hats. A glittery Christmas tree stands in the corner. Jed's dog growls at the front porch. That's the sheriff. Jed lets the sheriff inside. Sheriff Riley goes over by the fire to warm his hands. I got a couple things I wanted to tell you in person. What, about Leech? It's good. He was spotted heading for the South Mexican border. Seems he got connections in Guatemala. But I gotta ask. Sally, did you know a man named Ernie Cross? Sally catches her breath. 
Dread washes over her. They found him locked in a bathroom in his dealership. Said some creep had come around asking about you. How much did Cross know about you coming here? All I told him was I learned I had a great uncle. Not even blood kin. But I did say he lived in the mountains. I never gave him any names. Not even my lawyers. I wasn't going to say anything. He was making me really nervous. Always talking about money I didn't have. Thank you, ma'am. Now, Miss Sally, I don't want you worrying none. If Leech is headed south, you can start enjoying yourself. Thank you, Aldo. We were all alone till I found you, and we love it here. Good. So I can take you riding? Maybe I could teach you to stop bouncing. I wasn't bouncing. Tommy thinks you were like Jesse James and that you have a tunnel to the barn, like those Daltons. <laughs> oh, Sally, it's okay. You have to realize, Sally, in those days, the newspapers made some wild guesses, you know, to make headlines. They made us famous, all right. Why, the boys rustled some cattle and they stole some chickens. Even ran off with the model, eh? <laughs> so the papers called them the Hughes Gang, and they got blamed for everything. Banks and stores. And Aldo's grandfather? Now, that, that right there was for real. Harry Rockland was in his 20s. He fell in with some bad companions. Yeah, they robbed some banks, and they did five years before Aldo was ever born. But then Harry settled down to, to ranching. So, no tunnel. Oh, heavens, no. Leech's SUV pulls up to Bob's station. His goon gets out to pump gas. Leech goes inside where the owner, Bob, sits behind the counter, wearing thick, dark glasses. Thanks, but say, I was hoping you know if my girlfriend came by here about a week or so back. She had a, a boy with her. Bob doesn't know a thing. He says he can barely remember what he had for breakfast these days. Any motels around here? Anybody live around here? Bob says no. There's barely any traffic on this road. Then Leach sees a faded newspaper article on a nearby wall with the headline, Treasure Hunters. He grabs it, reads the first few lines, and grins. He hands money for gas and food to Bob behind the counter and goes to leave. Hey, thanks, old-timer. Leach walks back to his car where his goon sits behind the wheel. I know where we're going. Drive straight. He starts to read off the newspaper clipping. Treasure hunters, once again, despite the old legend, no buried loot was found on Old Rockland Ranch on Gates Road. Four locals dug up the yard before the sheriff ran them off. The sheriff called them foolish and deluded. They did not press charges or provide names for this paper. Although Harry Rockland went to prison for a bank robbery in the 1920s and his ranch was thought to be a hideout, no such treasure has been found. They drive until they see the sign for Gates Road. Just after they turn into it, they see a mailbox marked J. Rockland. Leach pulls out his binoculars. Slow down. Real slow. Yeah, I think that's her car by the house. And that's the sheriff's car. Let's find a place for the night. We'll get at him from that big hill tomorrow night. It storms outside with thunder, lightning, and hail. They pull back and drive along the road a bit further. 
They drive up to a large house with a for sale sign. The lights are dark. We're in luck. Back at the Rockland Ranch, that same night, the storm rages outside. The generator is off, and the home is lit only by lamps. Jed sits in a chair, strumming his guitar. Sally sits on the couch, jumping each time the lightning flashes. The dog leaves his rug by the front door and hurries over to lie at Jed's feet. That dog knows how I feel. Well, you can do the same. Lie at your feet? You could play that thing over here, you know. Jed sees she's really frightened. He gets up and comes to sit at her side. Listen, just forget the storm. Come over here and sing with me. I can't. Listen, just try. Sally jumps at another thunderclap. Listen, anyone with the guts to jump out of a car on a freeway? They can't be afraid of a little thunder out there. More thunder shakes the whole house. You do know that thunder usually means it's breaking up. I'm still afraid. What will happen to the antenna? She looks at her phone. The signal is dim. No messages, but it's flickering. You need to sleep. With you? Uh, You know what I mean. And no nonsense. (laughs) No, ma'am. Later that night, hail, lightning, and high winds shake the house. Sally... Lying next to Jed, fully clothed, his rifle a few feet away, screams and wakes up from her sleep. She is shaking, hysterical. Hey. I saw him. It it was just a bad dream. 
Angie comes hurrying out of the bedroom, rifle in hand. She stops, looks around, and walks over to them. I saw his face, I swear. I need to tell the sheriff. Sally turns on her phone, gets a flickering signal. She calls the sheriff's emergency number. It doesn't ring. The phone signal dies. No luck. Okay, honey. Just stay with Jen. Poor little girl. I'll get the coffee started. What time is it? It's an hour before daylight. Lightning may have fried that antenna up there. Or it could be a temporary disturbance. I mean, Sally, you should really sleep another hour. No, I, I can't. I'm, I'm too afraid. Listen, if the sheriff can't reach us, he'll come out to check. I promise. Or I'll send a deputy. And if not, come daylight, I can take your phone up to the attic and I'll try it if you, if you trust me. Yeah. Okay, I'll get dressed. How is it you always sleep in your clothes? Well, I mean, to protect my fairy lady. Leech and his goon sleep over at the neighbor's ranch. He boils water in a pot over the fireplace. Lightning flashes light up the room. You've got automatic rifles. All they got, some old-timers who probably can't even see straight. Like shooting ducks in barrels. We'll hit them tonight. Late in the day, the storm continues to rattle the Rockland Ranch. Angie and Aldo play cards by the fireplace. Jed strums his guitar. Sally is curled up on the couch, staring at her phone. The dog growls by the door. It's the sheriff. Man, he's pretty wet. Better get the coffee made. Angie folds her cards, gets up, and heads for the kitchen. Sheriff Riley walks in among a whirl of wind and rain. Man, it's wild out there. So any news? No, but I couldn't get Miss Sally's phone to ring. I could see why. Yeah, and I don't think we'll get Jed back up there again. So is Leech still going south? That's the latest word. I dreamed I saw him. How so? Just his face, just right in front of me. After what he puts you through, bad dreams are understandable. I woke up screaming. Yeah, she was scared plenty. Angie brings in a tray with coffee and fresh cut pie. Leech sits in the nearby house. He mutters to his goon. Daybreak. We're going up that ridge. It'll be muddy, but we can make it. Just remember, if you do her any harm, you're a dead man. That morning, Leech and his goons start to move. They wear heavy coats but still shiver. They carry automatic rifles and pistols. They head up the ridge overlooking the ranch. It's an easy climb. That same morning, the sheriff stops by Bob's station. How's business, Bob? You see any strangers coming through here? Bob mentions a strange man came by the previous day. He bought gas and binoculars. How old was he? Did he say why he was in town? Bob says he was a big man in his 30s or 40s. He wanted to know if his girlfriend and her little boy passed through. Bob didn't tell him anything. Sheriff Riley sees the newspaper clipping about the treasure hunters has gone missing. I've got to go. You watch yourself. That same morning, back at the Rockland Ranch, Aldo stokes the fire, Angie does the dishes, and Jed sits in a chair strumming his guitar. The dog gets up 
and barks at the front door. Could just be a varmint. Jed straps on a revolver and picks up his rifle. He heads outside, the dog at his heels. He walks up to the front of the porch. Suddenly, the house is rattled by rifle fire from the hill. Bullets start to hit the house. Jed drops to his knees, looks up high for a target, but the gunfire keeps him pinned down. He gets a shot off, but hits nothing. Inside the house, Angie comes running and hands Sally a revolver. You just stay put and keep down. The safety's off. Uh, you ever use one? Long time ago. Stay behind the couch. Keep down. Angie and Aldo rush to the front, rifles in hand. Up high, just below the trees. She narrows her eyes, waits for a shot. Up on the ridge, Leech yells at his goon. Keep them pinned down. Hit the house above the windows. The goon keeps firing while Leech starts walking away. Down at the ranch house, Aldo walks back into the bunkhouse and comes back with a small keg of gunpowder with a dangling wick. He lights the wick, raises it up, and throws it as high as he can towards the hill. The lighted gunpowder keg hits the ridge 20 feet below the three men. Leech tries to run away, but can't without exposing himself. He watches the keg roll over into the mud. The wick hits the mud and goes out. Back at the window, Angie has a good view of the keg. She aims her rifle, fires, and hits it. There's an explosion. The ridge rumbles, the house and bunkhouse rattle. Leech and his goon up on the ridge yelp as the earth moves under them. They try to get uphill, but are dragged down with rocks and mud. They flounder as the slide carries them faster and faster downhill. The whole side of the ridge starts to slide downward. The slide hits the bunkhouse, throws Aldo back on his rear on the porch. Aldo rides the bunkhouse on the mudslide another 50 feet where it pushes Aldo's pickup sideways, then stops and leans. The bad guys sink in the mud, lose their weapons, and yelp. Jed charges towards the muddy outlaws, stops 10 feet from them, and waits with rifle aimed. Hands behind your heads. Who the devil are you, treasure hunters? Two sheriff's cars, lights flashing, barrel up the road. Jed keeps his rifle on the prisoners. Sheriff Riley gets out of his car and hurries forward. Medics are on their way. Someone hear the shots? No, it's a long story. That there's the man that's been chasing poor Sally for years. The sheriff's deputies walk Leech and his goon over to the police car, cuff them, and shove them in. Sally, it's over. Sally is sobbing. She holds onto Jed and doesn't let go. Sally, you got no worries. Not no more. Days later, the family sits in sunny weather. Workers have already fixed the damage from the mudslide. Sally sits with Aldo and Angie on the porch. Aldo points to the hill. They did a good job. That grand oak's still standing. Makes you feel good. Yeah, what stories it could tell. Soon as it's safe, we'll get up there and support the old-timer. It's a bit of history, all right. Probably watched old Harry Rockland and his goings-on. <laughs> Probably knows where the loot's buried. That's all hogwash, and you know it. Yeah, but tell that to Tommy. Sally sniffs and wipes a tear from her eye. 
as she watches Jed play with her son. Days later, the family sits at the breakfast table. I have a surprise for you. She comes out with a painting. It shows Jed, Sally, and Tommy asleep together on the sofa. Oh my, Uh, it's beautiful. And when you and Jed get married, I'll do that one as well. Sally, flustered, hurries out of the room, out the front door, into the cold without a coat. Jed, I think you have your work cut out for you. Jed follows her out onto the porch, the cold wind biting his face. Sally? I can't. It's too much too soon. What is? I mean, it's only been a few days since that horrible man let go. You were there for me. Yeah, I was there the whole time. I mean, even when you snored. Uh, I don't snore. How could anyone deserve you? I think it's the other way around, Sally. It may be a long time before I can be myself again. I'll be waiting. (laughs) But I'm such a mess. Listen, I fell in love with you the minute I saw you waving that, that phone around. And I fell for you when you rode up like John Wayne. So, will you and Tommy marry up with me? She nods. He draws her into his arms and kisses her soundly. Sally draws back, but suddenly smiles. I have an idea. Come with me. Sally and Jed walk hand in hand over to the breakfast table. I've told Jed I'll marry him on one condition. We'll get married only if we make it a double wedding with Aldo and Angie. Miss Angie nearly drops the coffee pot, but sets it down. Aldo laughs, then stares at Sally. They can see she's serious. You've got to be kidding. And why is that? You're not kidding. Why, we've been together now on 80 or more years. I've put up with your being so bossy and stingy. You can't be serious. I'd have to rewrite the trust to protect Sally. Why, do whatever you have to do, you old goat. Deal. Angie leans down to kiss him soundly. Sally feels Jed's arm around her. Now, he takes her hand and leads her away from the table. They slip around behind the staircase out of sight. They kiss with great affection. But we'll have two ranches now. When Tommy grows up, I mean... He can make his own choice. And your family? They're up in Montana. I already told them I was going to marry you. (laughs) You had a lot of nerve. Mm Mm-hmm. Weeks later, at a double wedding, there are two cakes with piles of food on the table and a bright fire in the hearth. Sally wears a glorious powder blue gown. Everyone is in awe. Angie is in white, looking half her age. Among the nearly 100 guests are the sheriff and his family, deputies, rodeo friends, Bob and his pudgy wife, Jed's happy rancher father and mother from Montana, four young boys and three young girls Tommy's age. The preacher says the words. Sally's new life begins as Jed kisses her. There's lots of happiness. Outside, the sky darkens even more. The air is still. Now it's gently snowing dusting the land and the hills. Up on the ridge, being trimmed in white, 
The great oak, so old it remembers more than anyone knows, stands firm. Except that under one great root, the earth gives way and slides a short distance. In the space under the root, one of the three gunny sacks spreads its rotten cloth as gold coins start sliding. One coin rolls and perches on a rock. You can almost hear Harry Rockland's hearty laugh. This has been the pod play, Run, Sally, Run, and Hide, adapted from the screenplay written by Lee Martin. If you've enjoyed the new and original music you've heard in this pod play, you can stream or download these songs anywhere, anytime from wherever you get your music, or simply visit podplays.com for the songs, more pod plays containing more original music and entertaining bonus content. Search for the free Podplays app in the App Store now. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick second and tell you that if you want to be a fly on the wall in conversations you probably wouldn't be able to listen to otherwise, you really need to subscribe to the Marty Ray Project chats podcast marty ray and chris wallen chat with some of the most interesting people in entertainment from burt kreischer and vanilla to phase on love ddp dina carter herb dean they chat with some really interesting people this show is like potato chips i guarantee you, you can't just listen to one subscribe download rate and review the marty ray project chats wherever podcasts are heard great stories epic songs <laughs> Podplays. If you enjoy the new and original music you discover in Podplays, be sure to stream or download these songs anywhere you currently get your music. Simply search the artist name Podplays, and please remember to like, follow, and share with all your friends.